Welcome to the Devoted City Church podcast. Our mission is to help people find, trust, and follow Jesus. To learn more about our church, visit devotedcity.com. In today's episode, you'll hear a message from our lead pastor, Donnie Williams, or a member of our teaching team. Well, good morning, LifePoint. It's so good to be with you all. So glad that you guys are joining us this morning. If you have your Bibles, would you please open up to James chapter three? That's where we're gonna spend most of our time this morning. If those of you who are online, thank you so much for uh, joining us today. Before we get into our text, I do wanna say a quick word about our prayer gathering that's gonna be happening on July 28th. So we've taken uh, this summer and we've said that we wanna be as a church devoted to prayer. And so we've had over the last several weeks, we've had different prayer gatherings, either here at church or in our communities and those sorts of things. And we want to invite you to come and be a part of our prayer gathering on July 28th at 7 p.m. It's going to be an awesome time. We're going to cover our city in prayer. And you'll see what that means if you decide to come and join us on the 28th. So please be there. Be a part of what God is doing here at LifePoint as we make that transition to becoming Devoted City Church. Okay, let's jump into um, the book of James. So as we've talked about, we are in our fifth week of uh, this sermon series called How Faith Works. And we're studying the book of James. And what we've done is we've said that uh, the book of James is really a practical guide on how a Christ follower, a Christ follower should live their life. And so what we've said is that James is kind of like a no-nonsense kind of disciple. He's the kind of guy who's like, hey, I'm just going to tell it how it is, and I want you to be able to understand what these things are so that you can go and live the way that God wants you to live. We've, We've said it like this. We've said that James's goal seems to be to challenge Christ followers to look, act, speak, think, spend, and live differently than the world. And then we've also said that James, he doesn't want us to just simply talk the talk, but James also wants us to be able to walk the walk. And so today, we have an incredible opportunity to actually uh, talk about those things and what it looks like for us to live like a Christ follower. Rob, last week, did an awesome job of helping us understand that genuine faith produces good works. And that idea is really the main overarching point of the entire book of James, that when we have a genuine faith, it produces in us the kind of things that are honoring to God and ultimately honoring to Jesus Christ. And so for our time today, James is going to continue on that idea of of a genuine faith, but he's gonna use it in a manner that talks about our speech. James is gonna discuss today what it means for us to understand and know the power of the tongue. So when I was young, when I was uh, still an infant, my mom tells the story of when we went to a park and she was pushing me in a little tiny stroller. And as she was pushing me, there was a lady that came up to her to speak with her. And as uh, this lady came towards my mom and me in the, in the stroller, the woman looks into the stroller and she says these words. She says, what is that? <laughs> And so my mother, being the, the stubborn German woman that she is, said, that's a human being. What are you? <laughs> 
And so my mom had a moment of uh, not very good clarity, which I think all of us can kind of relate to if somebody were to say something hurtful to us and we spit right back something to them. And that's sort of the idea that James is going to be helping us understand uh, in our text today. The idea of the tongue, our mouths, our speech, the things that we say are incredibly powerful. James's point today is that the things and the, th- the words that we ultimately say and the way that we express those things have an incredible impact on the lives around us. There's a study that um, came out a couple years ago from uh, a source called Word Counter, and they, they count up the average, word, the average amount of words that somebody says in a day, and they've concluded that a person can say anywhere from seven to 20,000 words in any given day, and that makes anywhere from about two to seven million words per year. I mean, think about that. Think about how many words that is. That's a lot of words. And so in that, in those two to seven million words a year, there are probably things that we've said that have been incredibly encouraging and things that have uplifted people. But I would say that generally, most of the time, that's probably on the opposite end when we've absolutely blown it and we've disencouraged people, we've been hurtful, and we've said things that maybe we would want to take back. And so what James is trying to get his readers to understand today is that we have to be a people who are self-controlled when it comes to our tongue. That Christ followers are individuals who recognize that our mouths can spit a whole lot of evil and venom, and that if we follow Christ, we need to be aware of what we say because it may impact the way that people see Christ followers. Our main point for today is simply this. Our speech reveals God's work in our hearts. When we say something, when we interact with other people, and when we uh, say encouraging things and sometimes discouraging things, it all reveals how God is working in each and every one of our hearts. And this is something that is so important to James that he's actually mentioned this in an earlier uh, passage of scripture. He says this in James chapter one, verse 19. He says, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. What's James getting at here? He's helping his readers to understand that the things that we say have an incredible impact on other people. And if we're not careful, we can lose that self-control of the things that we say to other people, and it can result in a lot of hurt and a lot of pain in the lives of so many different people. And so what James is going to do is he's going to call his people to be reminded of their identity in Jesus Christ. Because when we as a church can remember and know and understand our identity in Christ, it'll help us to be able to speak in a manner that's worthy of how God wants his people to speak. And so our our general idea today is for us to be able to understand what it looks like for us to put our identity in Christ. And in so doing that, in rooting ourselves in Christ, it'll produce words that are eloquent, words that are lovely, words that are gracious. And it's gonna be a detour from what we know and understand our world to be like. 
So let's jump into the text. This is what James says. Before we get into sort of the, the meat of the text today, James has uh, this, this small little two-verse, uh, a couple sentences in the beginning that we need to address. I don't want to talk about them if I'm honest, and you'll see here in a second, because these verses are incredibly terrifying for somebody like me. So this is what it says, and then we'll hop into really the, the meat of the, of the passage. It says this in James 3, verse 1, many of you should not become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. So before we get into this, James has sort of this, this warning to teachers, and he says, look, if you're somebody who teaches, just know that you're going to be judged more strictly, all right? And I'm like, great, wonderful. Um, and Donnie's probably the same way. But what is James getting at? James recognizes that those of us who are teachers, when he says teachers, he means those who are expressing the Bible and sharing it with other individuals. What he's saying is, is, is teachers have the ability to lead an entire group of people away from God. And so the reason why James mentions this up front is because he understands that those of us who teach, whoever that may be, all of us could be considered that, he knows that we will be judged harshly because there might be some things that are said that are a total deviation for what God ultimately wants. And because of that, not only would we be sharing something that is maybe unimportant or untrue, but ultimately we could be leading a whole bunch of people away. And so James sort of sets up this idea of the power of the tongue and, and our speech with this warning to teachers in general. And I can really say that teachers could also just mean parents. It could mean individuals who have influence over other individuals. James comes together and he says, I want you to just be, to consider the things that you say, because the things that you say could be a deviation from what people ultimately need to hear. And so James sort of starts us out with that, and then he kind of gets into the illustrations of of what we're going to be talking about today. So he says this starting in verse 3. He says, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the, body, the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and God, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. 
Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. So James uses a bunch of illustrations for us to understand what it means to know the power of the tongue. And so the first one that he uses is this idea of a bit in the mouth of a horse. So I, I've never ridden a horse. I, I think I'd probably fall off really quickly, but I understand that the bit, that small little piece that goes into the horse's mouth has the ability to control every part of that horse. That whenever that thing is in the mouth, that horse knows exactly how to obey every single command that's given from the person who's riding the horse. And so then James goes on and he talks about a boat. And he says that there's this rudder, which is a little flat part of the boat that's usually in the back. And that thing helps to direct wherever the boat goes. That little piece, that little tiny part of the boat is what helps the boat to have the control to go wherever it needs to go. And so what James is ultimately saying, James is saying that when it comes to our own lives, the tongue is what controls our entire life. In the same way that a bit is what controls the horse and a rudder is what controls the boat, James is saying that our lives are controlled by one thing, and that is the tongue. And the reason why that's important is because any sort of relationship, anything that we ever do in our life, it's all controlled by what we say. Any relationships that we've ever been in, any friendships that, they, that we've had, all of those things have all started and unfortunately ended with the things that we say. It could be marriages, it can be uh, friends, it could be uh, the things that, uh, some of our work, some of our careers. All of those things have started and all of those things have ended because of our words. What is James getting at? James is addressing uh, Genesis 2. He's talking about the fall. He's saying that when humanity fell, when each and every one of us became lost, that that not only corrupted our entire lives, but it also corrupted the way that we speak of one another. And so what James is doing is he's had some really harsh words in our text talking about how, uh, how our tongue is a, is a fire and how uh, these things are, are, are corrupting each and every one of us. James really understands that the tongue is an incredibly powerful thing. And for some of us, we may have grown up and we may know the expression, you have sticks and stones, may break my bones, words will never hurt me. But in this case, James is saying, no, words only, they, only, they don't only just hurt, but they can burn and sting for years to come. James uses this illustration of a fire. And he says that the tongue is a fire. Why would he say that the tongue is a fire? The reason why he says that is because he knows that our words can burn people. In the same way that a forest fire can be set ablaze by a single spark, and then it may take years for that forest to recover. Some of us may be in here this morning still recovering from words that have been spoken over us for decades. And so James understands that when we speak, that there is a huge impact that could ultimately hurt other people. That's why he says that the tongue is evil. It's decisive. It is, it is a fire, an uncontrollable fire. 
And so James knows that. He says that the tongue controls our life. And so the big question that we have to wrestle with this morning is who controls the thing that controls our life? Who is the being that controls the thing that controls our life? I'll give you an example. Let's use the illustrations that James has used. Has, has used. The, the, the bit is the thing that controls the horse. But the question that we have to ask ourselves is who is the one who's controlling the bit? When it comes to, to the boat, yes, it is the rudder that gives the direction and that gives control to where the boat is going. The question is, who's the one sitting there guiding and controlling the boat? In our lives, we need to consider who's the one who has control of our tongue. And there's two ways that we can see this. There's one way, the world, how the world sees this. And we can allow the world to control our tongue, or we can let God control our tongue. Now, if the world controls our tongue, then we will be controlled by gossip. That means that we will be controlled by sharing other things that may not be true. We may share things out of anger, out of spite, out of just straight disrespect. And so the world is one who, who uses gossip, who uses these sorts of things, and they are controlled by that. But the church... The church is not controlled by gossip. The church is controlled by the gospel. And so for us, what that means is that we are controlled by the love, the grace, the mercy that God has shown on us through his son, Jesus Christ. And because of that, we're then able to identify ourselves with Jesus Christ, which allows our speech and our actions and the things that we say to be uplifting rather than downputting. And so James's point here is that we can either look like the world or we can begin to step into what the church is ultimately about. And that is showing grace, showing mercy. And so James sort of takes these two things and he helps us to recognize, at least to the people that he's speaking to, that these believers in this time, because he calls them brothers and sisters, they're all a part of, of a big community, a big church, They have allowed the world's idea of gossip to enter into their assembly. And because of it, James recognizes that, and he recognizes that if that begins to be a part, then it can tear apart churches, homes, families, careers. And James has said, us as Christ followers, we should not allow that to happen. And then he keeps going. He keeps moving forward. He says in verse 7, All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures, sea creatures, are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. James says that all kinds of animals have been tamed, and yet no one has been able to tame the tongue. James recognizes its power. There is nothing that can tame the tongue and we can't tame our tongue by ourselves. James's whole point here is that if we, just, if we think that we can control the things that we say, if we think that we can control how we speak with one another, then we've missed the whole point of what Christianity is all about. James is saying we cannot allow ourselves to think that we are the ones who can make ourselves be better, that we can't be the ones who are ultimately in control of our tongues. If we believe that we're in control of the things that we say, then James will say, you have missed it. 
The only way that we can be able to practice self-control when it comes to our tongue is to know who Jesus is and to recognize that he ultimately has control over our lives. That's what James is getting at in our text. He's saying that if we struggle with the things that we say, we need to not blame God for that, but rather we need to look at our own selves and consider, man, have I let the world control what I say or am I allowing God to control what I say? This is the big picture that James is pushing towards. And then he helps us to understand this even more, how incredibly powerful the tongue is by comparing a couple of different things. He says this in verse eight. He says, with the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or grapevine bear figs. Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. So James is taking these two ideas and he's saying there's a disconnect between them. He says, how in the world can a salt spring produce fresh water? How can those things happen? In the same way, how can we as Christ followers speak wrongly and harshly about other Christ followers who have been made in God's image? It goes back to some things that we talked about um, a couple of weeks ago. And so James is trying to get at, hey, we need to be able to understand that it does not make sense. And in some ways, it's very hypocritical for Christ followers to speak harshly about other individuals because that is not who Christ followers are. We do not find our identity in being critical of other people, but rather our identity is found in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. And so if that's the case, then we must consider the things that we are saying to other people and how that may affect them, and we may have to take a step towards repentance. I think ultimately that's what James is looking at here. He's wanting his people to recognize, hey, there may be things in your life that you've said to other people that have totally burned them. And because of that, you need to take a step back. You need to recognize that us as Christ followers, we don't do those things. That, that, that ultimately, James is wanting to, to tell other Christ followers, hey, you need to know that you need to be controlled by Jesus and you do not need to be controlled by the world and that if you're allowing the world to dictate your speech, then you need to consider going back towards the Father. And so James wants us to understand that because the tongue is so powerful, we need to consider what it looks like for us to go back to the Father. He says this in Matthew 12, verse 33. He says, make a tree good and its fruit will be good. Or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. You can identify a tree based on its fruit. If you see that there are oranges coming off of a tree, then you know that it's an orange tree. If you see apples coming off of a tree, you know that it's an apple tree. The same way, James is like, if you hear malice and if you hear discouragement and you hear anger, James is like, do you think that that's somebody who knows who the Lord is? 
If, 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 there's, if there are things that are coming and being produced in that person's life, and yet you can't see the fruit of what they're saying, y'all, James is, is looking to come bring us back and say, hey, look, you are allowing the world to control what you say. I need you to let God and Jesus control what you say. Because ultimately, like we've said as our main point, our speech reveals what God is doing in our hearts. This is what it says in verse 34. It says, for the mouth speaks what, is, what the heart is full of. It's very simple. The, the message is tough. The idea is very difficult, but the message is very simple. The things that come out of your mouth are a reflection of what God is doing in your heart. The things that come out of your mouth are a reflection of what God is doing in your heart. I don't know about you, but uh, I know some people uh, that, man, they really love Jesus, all right? And you can tell like so much because they'll find any and every opportunity to try and speak about Jesus. I know this guy, he was a good friend of mine and um, he was back in college and we would go to like Subway or go to like a sub place or something like that. And he would talk to the guy behind the counter. And as the guy was making his sub, he would ask the guy, hey, do you think that that sub can feed 5,000 people? And you're like, what? And he's like, do you think that sub can feed 5,000 people? And he's like, no, I don't think so. And he's like, well, you don't know my God. Let me tell you about him. It's like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> But there's people in our lives that maybe we know, and they're just like, they just always are talking about Jesus. They're always communicating. They're always sharing the hope that only comes from Jesus. And so, man, it may be a challenge for us today, but what does it look like for us to consider living a life that's worthy of, of giving all the praise and all the glory to Jesus Christ? I think that's ultimately what, what James is getting at. He wants us to be able to say, man, I give all the glory, all the praise over to Jesus and the way that we're able to do that, the way that we're able to say, Lord, you are Lord of my life, is by rooting our lives in Jesus Christ. And so I just want to offer two points of application for us as we wrap up here. The first one is this, is when we root our identity in Christ, there is no room to fill our hearts with harsh criticism about others. You see, if, if our hearts are full with Christ, that means that there's no room for us to criticize other people. That ultimately, if Christ has changed us, if Christ has worked in our hearts, then we will go on praising him and, and glorifying his great name. And that really doesn't leave any room for us to talk harshly about other folks. You see, James is like, look, I want you to walk the walk. But today he's saying, I want you to actually talk the talk. I want you to be able to talk about other people in a manner that's worthy of Christ the way that you interact with other people, I want you to be able to glorify Jesus through them. James ultimately wants his people to be reminded that they are not in control, that it is God who is in control of the Christ follower. And so we must know that, understand that, and allow that to change the way that we speak about others. So that's number one is it helps us to remove the ability to criticize other people. But when we root our identity. We're also constantly reminded about what Jesus says about us and not what the world says about us. You see, the world will talk about Christ followers and they'll say that they're hypocrite, that they're mean, that they're rude, they're disrespectful. And in some cases that is true. And unfortunately, it's a reality that we have to bear. But when, we were, when we're reminded of what Christ says about us, then we can hold on tight to those things 
And probably the most incredible, most important words that Jesus ever said to us was this, it is finished. When Jesus said it is finished, that meant that the sin that we lived in, that corrupted our hearts, our mind, the things that we say, no longer has any grip. And that ultimately Jesus finished the work that he was called to do, which was to die a horrible death for you and I, so that we may know who God is in eternity. And so Jesus's words were so incredibly impactful for us. What kind of words do we wanna use to impact others with the gospel? That's the challenge for us today. What words do you wanna use to be able to impact others for the gospel of Jesus Christ? If we're gonna be a church called Devoted City, we've gotta be devoted to God's word and what he says. And we've gotta use that as our fuel to be able to move the mission forward. And so my challenge for us today is is that, This morning, you may say, man, uh, Dom, I I don't really resonate with that. That's fine. I just want you to search your heart today. I want you to consider what it would look like for you to maybe continue to uplift God, to speak of his goodness, his grace, his mercy, and how that's impacted you. I'll end with this. Jesus is calling the scattered, the individuals in this book, James is calling the scattered towards repentance. Whether we have expressed harsh words towards other people or we have forgotten what Christ has spoken over us. And so it's our turn to be able to listen to the soothing words of our Lord Jesus Christ because our speech reveals what God is doing in our hearts. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this day. Thank you so much for the opportunity to speak your word. That God, we are a people who have an uncontrolled mouth, that ultimately, God, it is something that is so incredibly difficult for us to do, to practice the self-control and to be rooted in your identity. And so, God, I ask that as you, as you are with our church, I pray that you would, you would help open up our hearts, open up our minds to the fact that, that you are ultimately who we want to be able to share and talk about. And so, God, help us consider what that looks like in our lives And Father, we're just so grateful for you, for your son, what he's done for us, the fact that he has said it is finished. We love you. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Devoted City Church Podcast. If you liked today's episode, rate us and subscribe so others can be encouraged too. We invite you to join us on a weekend at one of our locations or online at devotedcity.com.